This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. One of the many challenges of having my personality, depending on who you ask, but one of the challenges is I have a tendency to, to look at things that have happened and just move on to the next thing. Uh, any, uh, any type A's out there, type A personalities? Yeah. We get a lot of stuff done, but we're not big on celebrating. And as I, as I approach this day, today, 23 years ago, we started the Ark Church. And it was, uh, yeah. Go ahead and put that, that picture up. This is what it looked like. Yeah, that's, uh, th that large object on my waist is a pager. Anybody remember a pager? I was, I was cutting edge. I don't know if you can see it well in that picture, but you notice there's a rainbow over, over the, actually it was a double rainbow. Now again, another fault of type A's is we're not big on signs, but I took that one. I like, yeah, that was the ark or the rainbow. I'm all in on that. That, that, that counts a long time ago. But I wanted this time to, I realized the 23rd birthday is not one people typically get excited about. And when you reach my age, you don't even celebrate a birthday unless it ends with a five or a zero. And I got a zero coming and it's not seven or eight. Thank you very much. <laughs> But as, as we look at this, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to make sure that, that we realized how, how grateful we are for what God has done. And so I, I don't want to gloss over that. I don't want to just simply go, hey, we're 23, great, praise God. Um, because the fact that we've made it for 23 years is a miracle. The average church doesn't make it near this long. The last decade, church attendance has dropped off over 20%. And then we're talking about nationwide. 20% less people are, are going to church, and we've not dropped off. We're moving forward. And so we're, we're grateful for that. You know, and just the fact that I, I know we're surrounded by large churches, but guys, just the fact that we are the size that we are puts us in the one half of 1% of churches in America. And so we are blessed. We are, we are very blessed. And it's like a guy who looked at me years ago and sat in my office and he said, he said, God's doing some great things here. And I said, yeah. He looked at me and said, because we know it ain't you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So listen, this, this morning, I want to do a different message called Building the Ark, but, I, but this is not simply going to be a trip down memory lane. I am way too practical for that. We're going, to, we're going to learn some things, but I do think it's appropriate to give thanks. The verse that started this church off and how we got our name, I was sitting in my, my bedroom and I was reading this passage here, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And I remember reading that, my faith, he prepared an ark. And I thought, okay, the ark, we could use that for a children's ministry. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked the idea. So I floated that idea past uh, Mark Barrett. I don't know if Mark is here in this. Is Mark, are Mark and Lisa here in this? Um, where are they? Mark and Lisa, stand up. Mark and Lisa are board members. They were here the very first service. Is, is, uh, 
Mark is very calm, has talked me off more than one ledge in our, in our 23 years. Is Charlie, is Charlie Pitts here? Charlie, Charlie was also here, so we've still got a couple of original ones. And uh, I told Mark the ark, and he said, that might work. He said, we added family. Later, we dropped family because I didn't want anyone ever thinking that you had to have a nuclear family to be able to come to the church, that it was open for everybody. So that's how, how we became the ark. But that, that gave us our name, but it also gave us some ideas about what was going to comprise this church. The first thing we realized is it was going to take faith to do it because one of the things that was not seen, said by faith, Noah being warned of things not seen, one of the things that was not seen with us was money. <laughs> we really, we, we started the church, we had, we had $1,500 in our savings. And by the time we got going good and put a, a sound system in, we, didn't, we started over in the Montessori Center. By the time we, we had a sound system, I think we were down to around $800. And so I just told the Lord, I said, you know, if this doesn't work, this was not my idea. And... Uh, <laughs> I went, I went one day, I, I was getting the mail, and I went to the post office there in Conroe, and uh, I, I stepped out into my car, and I was, I was sorting through the mail in my car, and there was a letter addressed to us. I didn't recognize the name. I opened, opened the letter up, and, and a lady wrote. She said, Dear Alan and Joy, she said, Alan, I was in some of your classes at Lakewood. She said, I always thought that you would be a pastor. She said, so I determined that my husband and I wanted to be involved. If you ever started the church, we wanted to, to bless you. And as I looked in, she had enclosed a check for $10,000. Wow. Now, when, when, you have, when you have 800, oh, by the way, checks for 10,000 still make me excited, but when, you have, <laughs> but when you have $800 to your name and they come up with 10, I, I'm, I'm not Pentecostal by nature, but I'm about to a Pentecostal fit up in that car like, whoo, glory. Yeah, yeah. But, we, you, you know, but that's like so many things in life with God. You don't see the whole thing. You start off in a step at a time. God's able to get you there. The thing also knew is it would take work. It would take effort. And uh, it took a long time for Noah to build an ark. It took a long time for us to build, and we're still building, and it always takes effort. But I think many of you know if you do anything that has value, it is not easy. Nothing of value really comes easy. I think sometimes we look for the easy button, and the easy button isn't there in a marriage, in a family, in a church, in a career. It's just not there. And so we knew it would require effort. The last thing we knew, though, is it would be for the saving of households, that it would bless households in our area. It reminds me of a, of a story I've always, you say, Alan, do you collect humorous stories and jokes? I do. Uh, and, and here's why. I think if we can't laugh at church, where else are we going to laugh? And so my, my pastor told me, John Osteen, years ago, he said, Alan, he said, use your sense of humor. And I've always thought that's a great way to go through life if you can laugh at it. There was a story of a coach, a, a college coach who was recruiting. And he had a, a young assistant coach. They were recruiting for football. And the assistant coach was getting ready to take off. And the, the young college coach said, he said, now look, he said, son, do you know who you're looking for? And the coach said, uh, and the assistant said, I think so. He said, well, son, he said, you're going to get out there. You're going to see a player. He gets knocked down, but he gets back up. And the assistant said, is that who we're looking for, coach? He said, no, that's not who we're looking for. He said, son, you're going to see that player. He gets knocked down, but he gets back up. He gets knocked down again, but he gets back up. He said, is that who we're looking for, coach? 
He said, no, no, that's, that's, that's not who we're looking for. He said, you're going to find that player. He gets knocked down, but he gets back up. And he gets knocked down again, but he gets back up. And he gets knocked down again, and he gets back up. And the assistant coach smiled. He said, that's who we're looking for, right, coach? He said, no. He said, we are looking for the guy who is knocking everybody down. <laughs> now, when I heard that story, I thought, you know what? Here's, here's what I believe. I believe that we're designed to be a church that, when, that can strengthen you on the inside, that when you get knocked down, you get back up. And when you get knocked down, you get back up. But even more than that, I believe that God can strengthen you to the place where you start knocking some barriers and some limitations and some problems down in your life that have been there for a long time. And God can help you through that. So as we learned about Noah, let's take, let's take some, some things about Noah. That he's the first ark builder. He said, by, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. If you know the story of Noah, very early in the book of Genesis, the earth had gotten really bad and God was having to judge it. You say, oh no, will God judge the earth like that again? No, listen, he laid judgment on Jesus. He put all of that on him. And so he actually is our modern day ark. But at this time, the earth was bad and God came to Noah. And there's some things we can see about Noah. And there's some things we can learn from him. One, that Noah was a man, the Bible said he walked with God. So in other words, Noah had God involved in his life. And Noah was involved in his life processes, that he was involved in the pathways of his life, that he actually had a relationship with God, and that he walked with God. We see that Noah was living in a very corrupt world, but yet he was willing to stand out. Don't get caught up where it said he was, he was perfect. It means he had integrity. He was a man that was righteous, a man who acted right, and a man that had integrity. Well, how many of you know if you're going to do the right thing and have integrity, you will stand out in a corrupt world? And Noah was a man who was willing to stand out, and not a lot of people were standing with him. And then we also see about Noah that Noah was willing to stay with God over the long haul. Church historians kind of, kind of go back and forth, but all of them believe it took decades for Noah to build this ark. And it took decades, and that means decades where nothing else was going on. I'm sure Noah's out there building that boat. It was huge. And he's building that boat, and I'm sure there were days like today. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's hot. And Noah's thinking, why am I doing this? But he stayed with God, and he stayed with God's plan. Don't you know the neighbors, when they look out and saw what Noah's doing, like, what, what is Noah doing? I, that has got to absolutely be against our deed restrictions. What is he building in his backyard? <laughs> So I'm sure they're going over and talking to Noah, going, Noah, what are you doing? He goes, well, God, God's bringing judgment. He's bringing a flood. They evidently had never had a flood on the earth. God's bringing a flood on the earth. Everyone's going to perish, but God has prepared me to do this. And I'm sure that when they walked away, they thought, great, we got the crazy neighbor. He's next door. They always thought he was, he was nuts because the Bible said he actually was a preacher of righteousness. So he preached the right way. But there was a long time before what Noah was preaching and what God had told him would actually come to pass but he stayed with God over the long haul. And God's grace, did God's grace provide for him? Absolutely. Provided for him in a big way. When all the families perished, Noah and his family did not. And you saw where God's grace actually made Noah look like a genius in the end. He looked like he knew something, because, not because he was a genius, it's simply because he followed God. Noah was an interesting, an interesting man. He did a, an amazing thing. But I believe that we can learn from Noah. 
We can learn from his patterns. And we can see this. If you've been around this church for any length of time, one of the biggest things we preach here is not that I can have a, a, a life with God or not that leadership can have a life with God, is you can have a life with God too. That you can have a walk with God. When you think, well, I'm not Noah. I'm not special. Actually, you are special. The Bible says that you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you actually have a relationship with the Lord. You have an opportunity to walk with him. It simply requires faith. Aren't you glad you don't have to be a preacher? You don't have to come from a long line of Christians. You just simply have to have a heart for God and a willingness to walk with him. You simply just have to say, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God has got to believe that he is, that he's real, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Guys, I want to tell you something. It didn't say he's a rewarder of preachers or he's a rewarder of church leaders. He's a rewarder of anyone who believes he exists and believes he is worth seeking in life. He will reward you for that and you can be as close to God as you want to be. So you can have a life with God. Here's another thing. If you have a life with God, I promise you, you're going to stand, you're going to stand out a bit because you're going to be going countercultural to the way things are now. One of the things I have noticed over the last 23 years when we started the church is the climate in America has changed. And I'd like to tell you that it has changed from the better, but I'd be wrong. As I mentioned, church, church attendance has dropped almost 20% in the last decade. And they're, they're estimating now that on a given Sunday morning, 20% of, of Christians, 20% of Americans are in church. So you are in the top 20%. Congratulations. That's good. But this is, this is also a challenge. We used to be known as a majority Christian nation. It's, it, it's not working that way anymore. I've never seen as many articles and, and, and influences that continue to just pound on Christian values and just even deny the existence of God. And everything that, that you see a lot of times in the media, I read, I read one magazine just because I want to find out what, what, the, what the media that does not know God is up to. And it's a, constant, it's a constant pounding to conform that if you're a Christian, that you're kind of out there, that you're kind of nuts, that you're kind of crazy. But listen, guys, there will always be that kind of pressure to, perform, to, to conform to the way it is. But I would rather stand with God and stand with his truth and stand with God's people and simply say, I will go against the flow. And if the whole world's going this way, I'm going to go the other way because I'm not looking around me and seeing that they've got great answers. I'm not looking around and say, it's not like drug usage is going down, it's going up. It's not like we're seeing the family getting stronger, that we're seeing them torn apart. Listen, guys, they don't have answers. The world doesn't have answers. And the church of Jesus Christ still has answers. And we're still saying, this is a place you can come and get help. It still is a place. But I think we need to prepare ourselves for the fact that as it gets darker on the outside, thank God for lighthouses. And this is where church helps. This is where you can come in and realize there are people that believe like I do. And there are people who are following God. And there is a group, and there always will be. The church will never disappear. People have been predicting its demise for years, and they've been wrong. Here's the, next, here's the other thing we have to find out. Guys, we've got to know this. Our relationship with God needs to be for the long haul. It needs to be for the long time. You know what that means? That means sometimes you're doing things where you don't see any results. That means that there may be a time, I, I know we're, we're often geared, we, we want things quick. Mind if our phone's not even 
if we're not getting information quick enough, we need something quicker. And we're used to quick, we're used to quick. Listen, following God is not quick. In fact, there'll be sometimes that you plant seeds and sometimes you do things and sometimes you give and sometimes you're committed and you're looking at yourself going, why am I even doing that stuff? Let me just encourage you, stay with it. When Joy and I first got married, her, her family, none of them, I think my mother-in-law who's here, she was gracious enough not to tell me, but none of them thought we were going to make it. Joy's dancing with her father. This is the father-daughter dance at the wedding, and he tells her, if it doesn't work with this guy, you can come and live with me. This is at the wedding dance. <laughs> Our friends didn't know if we were going to make it. There was a lot of people that were betting against us. But I'm going to tell you something. It may not look like, and I look back on it now and go, Maybe we did not look like the couple that was going to make it. Maybe we didn't look like the couple. When we raised our kids, we were, we were the strictest parents on the block. We were the most con, you know, constraining parents. We didn't let our kids do everything everyone else did. And I'm sure people talked about us. Well, let me tell you something. They can talk about you now, or they can also talk about you later on when your marriage works and your family works and things work in your life. And now... And, and, so now Joy and I do marriage seminars. Go figure. <laughs> well, go figure is that we have to stay with God. And let me just encourage you, keep staying with him over the long haul, even when it doesn't seem like things are working out. Keep praying. Keep hanging in there. Keep walking with God. Because I want to tell you something about God. God is not a short-term solution. He is a long-term strategy. And he's a long-term answer. And if you'll just stay with him, Things turn. It's not how you start this thing, guys. It's how you end it. And it can turn out well. Because here's the, here's the thing we know. God's grace impacted Noah, and God's grace impacted our lives as well. It can impact yours as well. And not just yours, it impacts families. It impacts those around us. Joy and I have often looked at one another and said, how do people without God make it through some of the stuff? Have you ever said that to one another? I don't know how I would have done it without the Lord. I don't know how things in life happen. Floods come, tr trouble comes, and you're, it, man, it knocks you to your knees, and you're thinking, oh, dear God, how am I ever going to make it through? Well, he helps us, and his grace gives us the strength and the wisdom and the understanding and the healing, and we've seen God's grace just move in our lives. We've seen God's grace move in this church, and that's why we keep preaching that God's grace is sufficient for you, and it will help you, and that we can, you, you personally, this is why we're so encouraged. We're not preaching us. We're preaching Jesus Christ and his grace and what it can do in your lives. So we have, there's takeaways we can have as, as individuals, but there's also takeaways that we have as a church. As a church, as we look forward, we're still building an ark. We're so grateful that we're, we're building an area for our children and youth. We refuse to give up on this generation that's coming. We're building something for them and we're building a place it's not for perfect people. It's a place where people can come and get helped. A number of years ago when we were back over in the roller rink. Anybody with us at roller rink days? There you go. In the roller rink. We were there and one Wednesday night, a, friend, a church member brought in a man. He's a big guy. But he was broken on the inside. His marriage had dissolved and he was just a hurting guy. And I introduced myself to him. We talked for a little bit. And then I stepped into the service that night on that Wednesday night we had a guest speaker. And the guest speaker stood, stood there and boldly proclaimed how in 22 years he'd never had a down day. 22 years he'd never had a depressed day. 
22 years, he'd never been in a bad mood. And as I listened to him speak that night, I didn't listen with the, the ears of a pastor. I listened with the ears of that man with a broken heart and a destroyed marriage. And I thought, this isn't helping him. This makes the preacher look wonderful, but it's not helping this guy here. And I, it's something, that was really an epiphany for me. It's not standing up here and declaring how awesome we are. It's declaring that God is awesome and he can help you in life. And it reminds me of, of another story, the story of Chippy, the parakeet. <laughs> True story, Chippy was a happy little parakeet, had his own little cage, sang all the time, chirped all the time. That's why they named him Chippy, because he was so happy. And Chippy's owner was cleaning the house and cleaning his cage, and she decided that instead of just emptying the cage, she was just going to vacuum it out. So she took the nozzle off the vacuum, and she put the vacuum in, and she was doing well, her phone rang, and she reached over to get the phone, and when she did that, she lifted the nozzle up, and she heard a <laughs> And Chippy disappeared into the, the vacuum cleaner, sucked Chippy into the vacuum cleaner, and she dropped the phone, she screamed, she opened up the bag, and there in the middle of all that vacuum cleaner dust was Chippy, covered in vacuum dust. She grabbed him, carried him to her bathroom, put on the freezing cold water and stuck Chippy's head under that cold water for about five minutes to get all the vacuum cleaner dust. So Chippy's like this and then she pulls out her hair dryer and blows Chippy. <laughs> they ask, when they ask her about Chippy, she said, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> she said he just sits and stares. He had, a, he had, a, he had an out of cage experience and uh, <laughs> It is just in stairs. Alan, what's that got to do with the church? I believe that this church, I believe that God's ordained this church for a place where people can come back and find their song again. And if they've never been able to sing, that God can put a song in their heart. I believe we're a place where... So you, you may come in feeling like Chippy. We think we, you can lead better. And we believe that. We're building an ark. You know, it takes a lot of us to do it. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who've given, all of you who've prayed, all of you who've served. It takes a lot of people. One person certainly can't do this. So thank you. It takes a lot of us. Our obedience is what helps God build the ark. Bob showed you what we're doing with all aboard, and we're going to build a wonderful children's facility. It takes a lot of us together to make that happen. But here's what I do believe. We can change message, we can change methods, and we can change buildings, and we can change a lot of things, but the message remains the same. The very first message I ever shared at the ark 23 years ago was this verse right here. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. What does that mean? Well, it means this. It means the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Jesus has done for us by his grace. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. He did it for us. And his work and his death and his burial and his resurrection is something we're continuing to see. It's continuing to be unveiled to us. And as it is, it reveals that God's amazing grace, I promise you, is sufficient for everything that we deal with in life. The love of God, how much God loves people and how much we love him. So that love of God, that's, it was God's love towards us and our love back. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that means the help of the Holy Spirit. 
his, his fellowship. We need his power. He's still alive. He's still active. He's still working in our church. Never forget, years, years ago, one lady came in. She thought we were pumping additional oxygen through the air conditioning because she said, every time I come in, I feel so good. So I thought you guys were loading up the AC with, with oxygen and you were pumping it into the room. I think that's a great idea, but actually what I think is a lot cheaper is that we just trust the Holy Spirit that he can move in, in people's hearts and still make a difference, and we need his help. And so we continue to preach that message, God's grace, God's love, and the help of the Holy Spirit makes all the difference in the world. A number of years ago, I remember reading a story. I thought it was a good one. A lady was, a lady was in her last days. She had been dealing with a sickness, and she was dying. And she brought her pastor in, smaller church, and they planned her entire funeral, what the songs they were going to sing, who the pallbearers were going to be, the scripture she wanted read. And she told her pastor at the end, she said, she said, oh, pastor, one more thing. He said, yes. He said, when I'm in that coffin, make sure that in my hand, I don't want to be holding flowers or anything. Make sure they put a fork in my hand. He said, did you say a fork? She said, yes, a fork. He said, you're going to need to explain that one because I'll have to. And she said, well, she said, I've been going to potlucks. She had to be Baptist, right? Because she said, I've been going to pot, I've been going to potlucks and church dinners all my life. She said, I can remember at potlucks. She said, after they would clear away the main, the main portion, she said, somebody would lean, invariably, they'd lean over to me, they'd tell me, keep your fork. She said, oh, I knew that, was, that, that meant that there was a cobbler coming or there was a chocolate cake coming. I knew that something good was coming. So when anyone ever said, keep your fork, I knew that the best was yet to come. She said, when I'm lying there and people say, why is she holding a fork? You say, because she's not there and she knows that the best is yet to come. It's not on this earth, it's in the, the life beyond. Guys, can I tell you something at the Ark Church? Keep your fork, guys. We're not retiring, we're refiring and our best days are yet to come. Our best days are still in front of us and they're gonna be good. You say, Alan, you say that all the time. You just keep saying our best days are in front. That's right, because I am so glad I do not serve a backup God. He is a moving forward God, and we still have a big job to do reaching people in this area, and we've got a message that helps them and a church that's kind enough and friendly enough to take them in from all walks of life. I'm looking forward to our best days ahead. So happy birthday, Ark, and happy birthday, Ark Church. I believe, again, for the next 23 years, they're going to be good. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? If you came this morning and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship. I've never actually made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, or I'm not sure about that decision. Or if you're here and you say, I used to walk with the Lord. I, I related to what you were talking about, but I've, I've walked away from him. He never moved. I did. But you realize today that you would like to come back, that you would that, that, that you would like to receive and that you want to be sure. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. But sitting right there in your, in your chair, in your seat, we want to give you an opportunity to connect with the one who loves you more than anyone else, the one whose amazing grace can provide a wonderful place of safety and strength for you and your family. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If, if that's you that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I want to be sure, or Alan, I want to come back. Would you pray for me? I need you to just be real courageous and shoot your hand up and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Great. I'll see you. Anybody else? Wonderful. In the front and in the back. All over. Thanks. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You really wanted to, but that's 
but you're just thinking, ah, I missed, you didn't miss. We're, we're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it together as a church family. We're going to pray it out loud. I'm going to encourage you to pray it too so you can, so you can hear yourself. I'm going to lead you in and say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, heads are still bowed just for a moment. Eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light and for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you for those who have been a part of what you're doing in this area, in this church. We look forward to good days and we'll be very certain to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we'll rejoice about this for the ages to come. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.